Hi, everybody. Welcome to the session of Sfirota Omer for the sixth week of the Omer. Um, it is a highlight of the Sphira of Yesod. And of all of the uh, classes we've done thus far, this is going to be the one that's most, I think, actually grounded in a theory of the Sphira itself, because we'll be looking at not just texts that go into it, but actually looking at some theoretical Kabbalistic literature drawing, especially from Yosef Chikatilia's Sha'are Ora, which is a major Kabbalistic text that goes through all of the names in the Torah associated with the various sphero. So he has a very deep understanding of each sphero, and will be um, especially attending to sphere, uh, the sphero of Yesod's place within the system of the sphero, and also its different names and how they all interconnect with each other. So it's very exciting. It's just like a, it's the next step in our evolution as, as Kabbalists and as devotees of the Sfirot. Um, so it's very exciting. Um, so I will share screen and we'll jump right in. Um, so first I just want to make sure we just familiarize ourselves with the term Yesod. So Yesod means, most commonly is translated to mean foundation. And we see it especially show up in a couple highlighted psukim having to do with the way in which God brought existence into existence. It brought, made creation happen. Right? That there's a sense of having to fix or to establish creation. And it makes sense in the sense that in Breshit we see God grappling with formlessness and trying to bring some kind of sense, semblance of order to it. Right? That there's... Um, that there is uh, tohu vavohu, right? That the pre-created universe, if you can even call it that, is shapelessness and void. It's chaos. It's swirling. It has no fixed form to it. So God, you know, if you try to build anything in this kind of rushing uh, fluidity, you need to establish some firm, uh, some firm foundations, right? Um, there's actually a midrash in Breshit Rabbah of having to, you have to start at the bottom whenever you build a building. You can't build the penthouse first and then build the building under it. You need to first establish its stones. And the Midrash and Breshi Rabbah has this whole thing about actually the stones that God sunk into the deep. But we're not going to get into that. It's very cool stuff. Uh, but here we just want to look at this very evocative pasuk we see in Proverbs. Worth noting also, just quick interest point of biblical um, literacy is that while the main creation story is in Genesis 1 through 2 slash 3, um, we see actually recapitulations, different versions of, different tellings of what creation entailed. You see them pop up in Proverbs. You see them pop up in Psalms. Um, you see them kind of elusively referenced in the prophets as well, in Isaiah. Um, and it shows us how much Torah is always this many-faceted, multifaceted thing in which you can never completely tell of everything it's trying to say with just one version. It's always coming with all these different aspects and all these different kinds. So, it says, Hashem b'chokhmah yasad aretz. God, with wisdom, founded the world. We founded, not in the sense of, like, established 1821, but founded, like, laid the foundations for the world. Konein shamayim bitvuna. Established directed, fixed, intended the heavens with understanding. So here we see, by the way, our terms show up again. We see chokhmah show up, and tivuna, which has the same root as bina. It's the language that uh, the Torah uses when it refers to the word understanding. 
So we see God with wisdom founded the world. So foundation is something that is something that is practiced. It's not just a theory, it's not just an idea, it's not even just a potential. It is actualization. And with Yisod, if you can call up on your screens or recall in your mind, the image of the Eitz Chaim, the tree of life, you see we have these groupings of three, right? These groupings of you know thesis, antithesis, synthesis, right, left, middle. Masculine, feminine, androgynous, non-gendered, bi-gender, whatever. Um, and you see three, 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 right? You see. Kesar, Chochma, Bina, Chesed, Gvur, Tiferet, Hod, Yesod. And then we have the Shechina, we have Malchut. So Yesod is the culmination of this whole process flowing into, through the upper nine. And we'll see next week, we're going to talk entirely about actualization um, or the manifest whole, the wholeness of it. But here, Yesod and Malchut are really paired in this kind of way. The Yesod is the nexus through which the life force flows and it's received into Bina. So Yesod, though, in its way is also funneling. Everything flows into Yesod through Yesod and is received by Malchut. Um, so you see that Yesod is both receiving all and bestowing all. There is a sense of totality, of holism, of wholeness, of completeness that is both reflected in Yesod and as we'll see also next week, Malchut. Um, worth noting though, it's not, it's not something we see explicitly, but I'll highlight it when we get there. But one of the names for Yesod is also the word Kol, is also the word everything. Um, so there's a sense of just the, the whole set, everything that you could imagine, everything that could ever potentially come into existence, all of it flows into Yesod, through Yesod, and into existence. So, hence, God is using this term, Yasad, to show how it is the manifesting principle. Malchut is manifestation, but Yesod is manifesting. Um, yeah, funnel, very much uh, an image that's used, Renee, for sure. Uh, a nor um, is also used, which means like a pipe. Um, yeah, it's it's. I, I like the term nexus because it is this point of connection, but also something that passes through. Um, what do you mean, Susie? Like the Star of David? Oh well, because it all it flows down and it flows up. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a downward-facing triangle and an upward-facing triangle, you mean? Yeah. Very nice. Very, very nice. Yes, it is. that is a shape of meeting, for sure. Beautiful. All right, so here we see um, an early mystical, cosmological, mathematical text uh, that we've seen before briefly in our studies, Sefer Yitzira. Um, it's traditionally attributed to Avram Avinu, um, it's edited, actually there's a lot of different theories about when it's edited, it's controversy. Uh, but we see here, and here we know that spherot is before they have their personalities. But still, it has a notion of the ten spherot, although it sees them as identified with ten Archimedean digits, like one through ten. Um, so here's Esser Spherot Blima, 
10 sphere out of nothingness? Yesod. And 22 letters of foundation. So interestingly, the numbers, these theoretical countables, are vaporous, right? They're nothing. Bli ma. It's a beautiful word. Without anything, without substance. They're before existence. It's 10 numbers. And they can only manifest into existence with the 22 letters. So 10 numbers, 22 letters, ways of counting, ways of expressing, right? Ways of enumerating, ways of describing. Now, letters and numbers, time and space, are the way that human, like, you know, actually Kant's categories of perception, right? These are actually the ways in which things manifest in existence, right? We can't actually know anything except through these basic media, these basic, I want to say tools, because it seems like it's something that's used, but these basic categories, basic venues. You can't imagine something that can't be in some way counted or that doesn't have in some way some kind of linguistic description. Because right? if you can't name it, it can't appear to you. If you can't count it, you can't identify it. And this is actually one of the things that makes God, in the ways that we think or can't think of God, so transcendent and so challenging, is that it is something, God is not countable, not nameable, not describable, not enumerable numeratable. So, okay, 10 spherot of nothingness, and let it just remain trippy. There's inks, pay, seas of ink have been spilled on this. It's very out there. And 22 letters of foundation, three mothers, seven doubles, and 12 simples. Now, these are the different kinds of letters. Um, the three letters, the three mothers are Aleph, Mem, Shin, um, there, those are the ones that are named Amash. The twelve, the seven doubles are the ones that have long letters at the end, like Mam, or like final versions, Mam, Nun, um, and also Dalit and Zion, if I remember correctly, because they have different versions and different dialects. Although I might be misremembering that. Um, and then there's the twelve, just normal letters. The point is, yeah, that is. Yesod are the is another way of understanding Yesod besides a foundation, which is still kind of abstract. Yesod is a basis that God implanted within the universe what it needs to be understood. Now, actually, this I think is a, is quite understandable, to, especially to scientists. Science presents itself as providing stories, descriptions, measurements of a natural world. But these measurements, these theses, these propositions are only possible because we have the amazing coincidence that what we need to measure these things are the things that we have, right? Science too is a human construct in the sense that it relies on basic human intuitions. Numbers, units, right? The fact that the universe is comprehensible at all is not assumed 
and it can't be assumed. We discovered it through natural sciences, through the scientific method, but that's because the scientific method or the basic facts that we've, you know, we've induced about the universe are discoverable. It's incredible. Like, why is it that, you know, why is it that the sun and the, you know, the bandwidth of the sun's light is the visible spectrum? I mean, we grew in the sun's light. So we, the world and we grow in tandem. We understand it through it understanding us, right? Through it giving it us what we need. God and the universe, through the universe and us working together in this beautiful three-part harmony. Um, but here we actually have a really beautiful natural theology I found in Gersonides. You always wonder if there are other Onidises. So there's Maimonides, there's Nachmanides. So there's another Ides, there's Gersonides. Um, this is the Ralbag, Rabbi Levi ben Gershon, medieval rabbi, philosophically inclined, um, but a really beautifully, and I would call it like a spiritual naturalism. Um, and I found this very beautiful. And I'm, after we read this text, I want to take a pause and, and do a little discussion. But it says, God with wisdom laid the foundations for the earth, for creation. The foundation here is that which God enrooted and emplaced within nature. It's creatures and existence found on earth. God founded creation with wisdom and attended to their nature i.e. the existence's nature, when they were created and established their essence. What human beings can attain through research is called wisdom. For all that newly develops stems from essential and related causes. Essential and related causes. Another way of putting that is Maybe intuiting in some ways, um, the conclusion came to about spontaneous generation, that it doesn't exist. Everything that seems new within nature has some kind of innate, sewed-in cause. And here he gives a couple very interesting examples. Like somebody says, um, the uh, heat warms, or I think maybe here he means the sun warms. Or that a person gave birth to another person. Yeah, 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 Dana, exactly. Um, yeah, like the, yeah, the, the, the Mendel's, I think Mendel's experiment, right? The, whether the bugs just spontaneously appear. They don't spontaneously appear, right? Everything comes from something. So what we have here with this notion, is, it's, it's, it's a theology of nature, right? What is the wisdom that God is founding, right? That God is implanting and rooting sowing within existence, it's its own programming. I mean, how is it that we get bigger? Right? It's not that like suddenly there's more of us that appears out of nowhere. It's that things are growing from the inside. You get longer and then eventually you get shorter, but you get longer, right? You, it's actually crazy to think about like you growing you, you know, Spinoza in his philosophy calls actually all physical objects have what he calls extensivity or extension. They all occupy space. So this yesod, the foundation that Ralbag is describing, 
are the is the implanted potential for what's about to be developed natural law right the rules of nature natural causes the ways that the world works from internal mechanisms and then grows out right that we can find causation in the in nature in the world not every theologian believes that there's something called occasionalism in which like there's an idea that the world is in a sense created and destroyed in every moment and that all causation is just an illusion like oh yeah my hands here and then my hands here but really it's there was no that i didn't move it it's that the world in a sense it's like all snapshots but here we have Raoul Bagh believing in one thing next to another causes that are internal or essential and related these is beautiful organismic system systemic vision of the world in which it's all made with wisdom with god's wisdom of things connected to each other things that influence or affect each other affect each other it's a really beautiful model that i think especially people who are interested or invested in ecology biomes biospheres that everything that exists exists within an environment and exists within a related set of causes and conditions you can't just go monkeying out with one part of the world and not expect other parts to get impacted as well. Okay, so here I want to pause because this is kind of like the end of the kind of first suite of sorts, focusing just on the term yisod. So the kind of consciousness that I think is associated with this, especially that's being described by Raul Bagh, is a consciousness of attention, of paying attention to what is around us, and looking for its on purposeness for why it's there what it's doing what its purposiveness is not just its manifest beauty we'll get talk about that in a sense next week but looking in a sense to see everything and see what's behind it as well it changes the way you look at the world to not just see the thing itself but also see what went into it to bring it or to see the cause that still exists within the effect. There's a term you see all the time, and especially in Jewish mysticism and in Maharal, especially, it's koach ha'poal benifal. The power, the potency, the potential of the cause is in the effect. It's still there in some ways. We can still see the thumbprint of God's metaphorical hand. Uh, we can still see what's coursing within the world and that's flowing through it to cause it to extend and to grow. That everything is growing, right? That nothing stops becoming. So I think I see in the episode potential, potentiality in its process of actualizing. To see everything as, be, as in its process of becoming what it is, which is not an ending, not a process that ends. Uh, anyone have any reflections on this idea um, or ways that we can bring this consciousness into the week? I think if you think of <clears throat> anybody who's in any health profession, if you, if you think of the body mm -hmm. and you think, um, okay, the kidneys aren't working, but if the kidneys don't work, you have an effect on the heart mm -hmm. and you actually have effect on like every other part, part of the body. And, 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 and so the body is like a microcosm of the world, because if one thing doesn't work, 
something else is going to be affected. Even mechanically, you got a foot problem. It's going to affect your back, your hips, your knees, everything else. So I think it's a really, really good way of understanding it is, is just thinking, you know, the world as one, change one thing, it affects everything else. Same thing with the body. One thing goes wrong and it's cascading into everything else. Mm -hmm. The microcosm, that Latin phrase, it was one of those that's like Latin plus Greek, I forget, um, means literally little world, right? Micro and cosm, like cosmos. Um, and we see actually that show up in Jewish literature as well. It says there's a phrase that shows up a lot, also especially in mystical literature, Adam Olam Katan. The human being is a little world. Um, you know, in Yiddish, so cute. It's so sweet. Um, instead of saying, like, it's a small world after all, like the song, the phrase for that actually is, it's a world with little worlds in it. This is like a, such a sweet image, but also it kind of, it's like, or it's like, you know, it's like, it's like a frog, right? That like lays all these eggs that are connected to each other in this, in this sack. That we're all our own worlds, but we're all, we're not just monads, right? We're not just alone, but we're existing in an environment, in a biome, right? With all these other worlds. We're all the center of our own stories. We're all the center of our own uh, Lebenswelt, right? Uh, life worlds. But, but the key to this kind of consciousness is realizing that is true. And it's true as a universal principle. It's true for everybody, right? Um everyone is everyone is living everyone's living from the from the inside out right that's 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 the way nature works okay so we have you sewed we have this attention to process attention to potential in its process of becoming actual it's establishing a foundation but not a foundation that's kind of fixed it's a dynamic foundation it's the principles that are needed for the world to work for nature to work um that God creates not just, this is actually beautiful, God creates not slaves, but partners. Now God create, created a world that works, not a world that is worked. That the world actually has its own purposiveness. That's a beautiful passage in Maimonides' Guide for the Perplexed. That's actually one of the few non-anthropocentric passages in Torah. And it says like everything has its own purpose. Every element in nature has its own telos. It's all trying to do its own thing. And, and the most manifest and manifold appreciation of the created world is one actually in which everything um, has the space and the conditions to do that. Um, okay, so here I wanna focus on another shame, another kinui, uh, cognomen, another way of naming Yisod. Um, and it's worth noting, right, in, in, in the Zohar, in Kabbalist literature, another way of referring to the Sefirot is as we just calling them names. And I'll capitalize the and a name, right? It's, it's a divine name. It's a way of referring to God. It's an aspect of God's infinite personality. And one of the names for Yisod is Sadiq. This is why Yisod is associated with Joseph, and even though that's not going to be the focus of today's class, but Joseph is called Yosef at Sadiq, Joseph the Righteous. And Yesod, just like Yesod is associated with Yosef, Yesod is also associated with Sadiq. So here we see the famous Pasuk from Proverbs chapter 10. Ka'avor sufav in rasha Sadiq Yesod olam. When the storm passes, the wicked is gone, 
<coughs> excuse me. And the righteous is the foundation, is the eternal foundation, everlasting foundation. But we're going it's true in the Bible. The word olam is temporal. It's about time. It's not spatial. It's not about space. It's not the world, the universe. It refers to eternity or the fullness of time. But we're going to take it, we're going to run with it, because in most of the thinking about it, it kind of has the more general meaning of world. So the righteous is the foundation of the world. So we've moved from a natural theology looking at the way that God uses foundation to create a stable model of existence, a stable but dynamic model of existence. Here we have it moving from a God's eye view to a human eye view. Now it's moving into actually how the human exists or behaves, actualizes, works within the created world. The righteous is the foundation of the world. So we'll look at a classic interpretation of this verse. It's a very famous verse. It's quoted um, you know, in that little snippet, all the time, all the time. So here we have from the funky chapter of Chagiga, the second chapter, it says, The sages say the world stands on 12 pillars. It's a lot of pillars. Usually in Pirkeavos, it's three pillars, right? Here we have 12 pillars. It's a lot of pillars. It says, um, Establish the, made fixed the boundaries of the nations according to the number of the children of Israel. Oh, and what is the numbering of the children of Israel? Take a guess. Twelve. Wow. Yeah, because of the twelve. Twelve tribes. Shkayach, if you're paying attention at the end of the Seder. Twelve tribes. Shemasar Shiftayah. Some say, though, no, no one ever leaves anything standing in the Talmud. Some say it's seven pillars. Seven's a nice number. Shnemar Chatzava Amudea Shiva. She, wisdom, and actually wisdom in chapters nine and earlier, chapter seven, eight, in Proverbs is personified as feminine, sometimes it's translated as Sophia, like the Greek name for wisdom. It's what's called a hypostasis. You take an idea and you personify it. So she, wisdom, um, carves out seven pillars. Okay, so we have this kind of midrash about what are the foundations of existence. So the rabbis are probably, you know, like thinking like, what are the actual things that are keeping existence from falling, you know, falling through the void. Uh, and Rabbi Elazar ben Shemua says, Alamud Achad, aha, one pillar, and its name is Tzadik. Shnamar v'tzadik yesod olam. The righteous is the foundation of existence. Um, here we have a notion of tzaddik as what's called in the in the hoity-toity academic literature as axis mundi, the central focal point of existence. The you know uh, the temple Tzion is associated with axis mundi as well. Everything revolves around. You see all these ancient maps, right? And there's like Asia, Africa. Europe, and then in the middle, Jerusalem. All right, Jerusalem is the focus center of the universe. Everything revolves around it. Also, interestingly, they call the navel of the universe or the omphalos of the universe. Omphalos is Greek for for belly button. But so, you know, you like you, you put your finger on it like a pizza, and you can spin it around. Uh, point is though, is that everything filters into it, right? If you put your finger on it and you push down, 
everything, like you, you stretch out a piece of rubber and you put your finger in the middle, everything flows into that central point, right? So here we have, like we saw before, a funnel, right? A focal point of flow, a gravity well, everything flows into it, everything's drawn into it, but it also supports everything, right? It's the central pillar. Now here we have, I think, one of the foundational germ texts. When I say germ, I mean like a seed. Seed texts for what eventually becomes in the Hasidic movement in later Kabbalah as a theory of the tzaddik, right? A theory of the of the righteous person, of the of the virtuoso. Um, <laughs> thank you, Susie, for the Discworld joke. Um, so. Here we have a, a beautiful Cholent book, The Shla, The Shla Kodesh, Shnei by Isaiah Horowitz, 16th century Kabbalist, living in Prague. Um, and he has an explication of this. And, he, and it starts, it's one of the ways it gets outworked, gets worked out to be his theory of the tzaddik, like the, the spiritual, mystical virtuoso. He says, here's an explanation. But interesting, it, it pivots too. It pivots because, you know, if it's about like the righteous, you know, the tzaddik, it really risks a certain kind of elitism. And we're going to kind of straddle this elitism, right, to be this focal center. Is it that everyone is your own focal center of the world and we're all potentially that funnel? We're all potentially that focal point? Or is it maybe that there's a special person out there and that's the true axis mundi and we got to find it? So we'll explore both of those theories. So this is... According to a good deed performed below, so a model is made or a paradigm is made and is awakened above. So we have this notion, as above, so below. All right, so what you do down here doesn't just matter here, but it also unlocks something above. One's good deed activates the verse, Sadiq Yisodolam, the righteous is the foundation of the world. And the righteous is called good, it's another name for Yasod is Tov, because all of the goodness, all of the blessing flow through it, unified in one service. One who causes such unification, right, bringing the different aspects of the created universe together, restoring them to God's source, one who causes such unification through one's good deeds, mitzvahs, is as if they have done that deed and effected that unification above. So doing good here effects good in the Godhead, in the heavens, in the upper worlds. As it is written, do good, asetov. That is, that one causes tikkun, right, healing, repair, in the divine glory. Boom. That's a bit of a, of a explosive head moment. That even that we are not just needed here. Righteousness is needed there. That tikkun is not just something that you're healing the world. You're even bringing healing, rectification, repair to God's glory. Now, God's glory, right? Not God, God's self, not God's essence. But the kavod, and the kavod is the is the creation, is the universe-facing aspect of God. Kavod, interestingly, also commonly associated with yesod. 
right? That part of existence of God that faces us, that manifests so that we can take God in, that we can experience in some way God. Because we can't know God's essence, we can't know God's God's self, but we can know God's presentation. That's kavod, God's performance. But even that needs repair. It's sensitive, it's vulnerable. It faces this roiling, challenging, often painful world of ours. Beautiful, glorious world we have, but one with change and one with challenge and one with often with difficulty. So one, and this is especially incredible, one brings peace to the heavenly retinue. You bring harmony to the angelic hosts. You bring cooperation and togetherness to all aspects of existence, even the spiritual, ethereal angels. Even they need our goodness. Shalom, another word also associated with Yesod. So if you're keeping a running tally, the names associated with Yesod, it's only, I think, outpaced by Shechina. Shechina has the most names. Yesod comes in a distant second, but still has a lot of names. Yesod, Sadiq, Kol, Tov, Shalom, and they all jibe. All the, to the wholeness of things, all. Goodness, the goodness that is of the all. Blessing, peace, the harmony that's found amidst the all. And we saw also that last week, you know, Aharon Akoin is associated with Hod. Ohev Shalom Varodesh, loves peace and pursues peace. Loves peace and pursues peace as the energy flows into Yisod. So it starts manifesting in Yisod. So it brings peace to the heavenly Radnu, because angels can sometimes struggle with each other. And one eats with satisfaction and dwells in the land. And the land here, as we see with capitalized, is uh, another kind of code word, but here actually referring to Malchut, to Shechina. As is written, dwell in the land. That we see the joining start to happen. The bringing of the upper nine with the manifest tenth. With Shechina becomes united with the other spherot as well. So that's dwelling in the land. As the energy, the Shefa flows through Yesod and is, and is gathered by, received by Shechina. It's a secret hint to the land of life. And we'll see that phrase, land of life or land of living, show up later. But the land of the living is that not just Shechina on her own, and not just Yesod in its flow state, but specifically when they come together. That's when the land and the life force of the flow come together, becoming the land of the life. Okay. Um... So here, interestingly, right, we have probably, he's referring to, this is what a mystic is able to do through the mystic's meditation, theurgy, right? Using their spiritual practice to have some kind of resonant, sympathetic effect all, all throughout existence, right? Like you strike a string on a guitar, the whole body resonates. So the mystic, by creating harmony below, bringing goodness below, induces God, causes God, encourages God to have the blessing flow down as well, bring goodness, bring charity, bring generosity down. It's called uh, sympathetic in the sense that there's a, a, a harmony between the two parts. It's like how, it's like you yawn and someone else yawns. Um, 
Here we have the Kliyakar, who's not a mystic himself, but a, one of the greatest Darshanim, one of the greatest exegetes of early modern uh, Poland, but really I would say early modern Judaism writ large. Maybe Ephraim Lunchitz wrote very prolifically and beautifully and at length. Um, his, his commentary is especially essayistic. It's very uh, literary. It's very involved. And it's, very, it's very worthy of uh, return and reflection. So the Kliyakar says on this Pasuk, well, referring to this Pasuk, but obliquely, he says, Kol hayom tishmerun la'asot ravitem. says, the entire commandment command, which I have commanded you today, keep, you shall keep, uh, and you to perform, so that you live and thrive. Okay? And the question is, and this is for all my grammar nerds, this is the question he asks, a very attentive reader. He says, why is it the Pasuk starts in the singular? Mitzvah Mitzvah means commands you in the singular, like atah. Or at. But the second half of the Pasuk says Hayom Tishmarun Laasot Liman Tichyun Uravitem. You shall keep and perform to perform in the plural Atem or Aten. Why is that? And continues with the plural, tichyun, and revitem, right? Atem, like tem, like atem. So why does it start with the singular and then switch, right, from the singular to the plural midway through the verse? Classic attentive rabbinic question. Ah, do we have an answer? Um, it's, um, it's not feminine plural. It's actually, it's masculine plural in the Bible. Uh, because in the second person plural, it starts with a tough. So, tichyu is you shall live, or uh, urvitem. Um, but also, you know, in, in more modern Hebrew, the second person plural in the feminine has disappeared. But if you ever want to, if you ever have an especially grammar intensive um, gabi in a shul, uh, and you're in a shul in which um, it's not just men who are receiving aliyahs, then you will actually hear somebody say ta'amodna, which is the feminine plural uh, for the word you shall you shall rise. Uh, it is not a it is not a form you hear much nowadays. But people who are gabbis are the kinds of people who would want to keep that form alive. That's <laughs> how we learned it. Associated is how we learned our read way back when. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I would use it in Israel and get laughed at. No, yeah, love, exactly, exactly. I love it. It's beautiful. It is yes, beautiful. No one uses it. It's what is. It's what my Israeli teachers called Ivrit Shel Shabbat. It's Shabbos Hebrew, right? It's not. This is not the. This is not the everyday lunch pail. You know, work a day Hebrew. This is the. This is the nice weekend Hebrew. All right. So in this case, great, great attentiveness, um, Susie. But yeah, it's so in this case, it is the it's the feminine plural. Sorry, masculine plural in the masculine second person plural. Tichyun revitem lefi. But again, it's it's non-generic here. It's not just referring to men. It's just referring generically. So it says so that why is it that starts in singular and concludes in the plural? So that because sadiki sodola. Okay, what does he mean? That even a single person 
who does a single mitzvah. Fortunate, happy are they, since they have biased the world in favor of merit. So he looks at the potential elitist reading of Tzadik Yisodolam, which I don't want to throw out because there is a notion of like, of progressing in your development as a spiritual person in terms of what it, you know, someone who is a studied, you know, spiritualist, mystic, a Kabbalist, what have you, right? They're doing things that normal people aren't doing, right? They're achieving, accessing things that, you know, there's, there's a qualitative difference there. I don't want to like throw that out the window, but there's also, I really appreciate the Kleoker's democratic pushback, right? It's more equitable pushback saying, why does it start in the singular and end in the plural? Because everyone has the potential to be the righteous foundation of the world. Because a single person who does one gosh darn good thing can tip the balance in favor for the world, for the entire world. Right? We see this image show up in Hilchot Tshuva, uh, in the Rambam, in the Mishnah Torah, the laws of tshuva, you know, thinking about what it means, you know, the practice of doing tshuva and the theory of tshuva. And the idea is that every single person should look at their life and should look at the world as if it is in balance. 50-50, good and bad. 50-50, wicked and virtuous. And that the one little thing you do, the one little thing you do, can change the, the, the entire result because your little crumb of goodness can tip the scale in favor of, of merit. It's an immensely empowering image, a bit anxiety-inducing, but it's an immensely empowering image. So similarly, if a meager individual does tshuva, not only are they forgiven, but the world is, can be forgiven along with them because they can bring the world with them. So it starts in the singular and concludes in the plural. Dot, dot, dot. The word mitzvah is also singular. Why isn't it mitzvot? Right, kol mitzvah, God says, kol, all, another word for free sewed, kol mitzvah. Why isn't it kol mitzvot? Right, it says mitzvah is in the plural, is in the singular as well. Why to tell us that even keeping one mitzvah, as as it as befitting, right, in its ketikuna, ketikuna, I don't think this is referring to it, but in a way that brings tikkun, right, in its fitting way can bring the verse such that you live. It can activate that second part of the verse. What does it mean? That one who has kept even one single chok, even one single rule, says Rabbi Yehuda, is saved from hell. Because one mitzvah, and this is really the point, lefisha mitzvah goreres mitzvah. One mitzvah, this literally means drags another. It's like a it's like like a domino sculpture, right? You flick one domino, it knocks over the next. That's what it is. You're you are creating a flow of mitzvah, and I find this actually a really beautifully consonant image with what we're talking about is disowed as a nexus of flow. That is not just this cosmological image of the or like this metaphysical image of the the point in which the, all the shefa all the life force flows into it. But it's true existentially, it's true practically, it's true morally, it's true religiously and spiritually. That every one of us is a nexus. Every one of us is a little knot, right, through which all of our life is flowing. That, like we're saying, like the life grows from the inside. That we're a knot, right? Our life is flowing through us and extending, passing through us, manifesting through us. We are this collection point. 
but also this bestowal point. We are what receives it all, but also what gives it all up, what gives it all in, what puts it all through. And so it's an incredible thing, right? That we are this, we are the axis mundi in our own world. And thus everything does depend on us in our life, in our world. What we can achieve is boundless. And also that what it does is it creates conditions, it creates a state of flow through which everything comes. That one good thing does drag another. You build a life. It doesn't drag you. Well, it does. You know, one Avera drags another too. One sin, you know, causes to set in motion another sin. It really says that we are, have deep influence and deep capacity when it comes to what kind of life that we're leading and what kind of world we want to, we want to manifest. That's the potentiality of Yasod. It's all potential. It's all hanging on the edge of manifestation. It's all becoming real through you. Incredibly empowering image from the from the Kliyaka. Okay. So here we come to the Sha'ariora, um, which is a beautiful text, and with it we'll close. So Yosef Chikatilia, 13th century Spanish Kabbalist, began his tenure as a Maimonidean, more philosophically inclined guy, and then got influenced, drawn into the world of, of Kabbalah. And, but you can see the way in which his still kind of more philosophically um, attuned spirituality still plays through. And through this, that's the reason, and some have said, that unlike other guides to the Sfirot, his book, Sha'are Ora, which is the text we're drawing this from, doesn't start at the top and go down like most speculative Kabbalists, right? Contemplating the flow of the life force into existence. He actually starts from this world and using his contemplation of his mind, right? Like a philosopher, starts at this plan, plane and then travels up the Sfirot, going one by one by one until you return to the source. Um, that's what academics will call ecstatic or prophetic Kabbalah. Abraham Abulafia is another good example of that. But Jigatila is more kind of like playing both sides of the field. So here we have, so it's, so it's the second gate, it's the second chapter of the book because he's traveling from the bottom up. So he says, the second name from the holy names according to the path of ascent, not descent, but ascent, starting with the bottom, going up. It's called, and this is the name this part will focus on, Kelchai, living God, or God of life. Because it is the end of the nine levels, right? The end of the top nine spherot, everything flowing from the source all the way, all everything into Yisod, which are also called the nine lenses, the tet aspachloriot, which is also actually a cognate with um, speculum. It draws from all of the spherot, from the quality of love and life, chesed, and life might be Tiferet, he's a little bit vague there, and flows down to the quality of Adonai. So this is something very interesting. So Shechina, this is kind of a little bit of a preview for next week. Shechina is associated with the name Aleph Dalad Nun Yud. Okay. Tiferet is associated with the name Yud Kei Vav Kei, the Shem Forash. When we say the name Adonai, when we daven, when we read Torah, we're looking at the letters Yudke Vavke, but we're vocalizing it Adonai. 
So, and you'll see this in actually Mizrahi Sidurim especially, which are often Kabbalistically influenced. We are uniting every time we say that name, Tiferet and Shechina, Kutshabrihu Shechinte. We're bringing the two main dyadic aspects of God together through vocality, what we say, and visuality, what we read. We bring the letters and inform them with the sounds. And in Kabbalistic linguistics, the spirit, the body are the letters and the spirit are the sounds. And the trope, it's a very incredibly vitalistic vision of what language entails. But so the name Adonai, though, Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, is associated with Malchut, with Shechina. So Yesod is this nexus of the flow starting from the source of love, of life and flowing all the way down through Yesod into manifestation in Malchut. And since it draws from Chesed, it is called Kale. Because it's drawing from Chesed, Chesed another name for Chesed is the name Ale. That's another name for Chesed. And since it draws from life, which is why I think it is Tiferet, it is called Chai. It's called life. So when they are connected, it's called Kale Chai living God or God of life. And I don't think that is really just like a cute little accident, but Yesod is the God of life in the sense that it is the God, it is the aspect of God that brings from the potential into the actual, that makes life happen. Remember that metaphor, the, the simile that was drawn before from the Ralbag, that yesod are the principles within nature. When we say, ah, another human being birthed another hu a human being, it's not from nowhere. It's from the potential set inside. So yesod is the condition, are the conditions we need for life, for life to progress, for life to flow, for life to manifest. That living is not just things that are alive. It itself is a verb. Living is a process. It is something that is dynamically happening all the time. It is the potential becoming actual. It is the body becoming bigger. It is the body becoming smaller. It's the friends you make along the way. It's, it's, it's the experiences that you have. It's the way that you manifest those experiences, the, the, the choices that you make and the ways that you live. It's everything that flows into you and flows through you and manifests about you. Yesod is life. It's living, right? Life is the potential. Living is what happens. All right, yes, the source sheet will be posted. Have no fear. Um, okay. Umikochze. This name, with this power, draws and draws to flow into Adonai, Malchut, Hachayim, brings the life force to come into this world, into all of the creatures in its world according to their kind. That includes angels, heavenly hosts, the heavenly bodies, the manifold hosts of the earth, and what's associated with them. This is the secret of the earth brought forth, and this is a feminine verb. The earth brought forth 
living creatures according to their kind. But again, Haaretz, as we'll see next week, is not just uh, the earth. It's a code name for the Shrina. For the Pasuk is including, according to the way of wisdom, which is another way of referring to Kabbalah, the, no, not just Kabbalah, but really what he means is like the system of the sphere. According every spirit that, everything, every spirit that stirs, everything that crawls on the earth, the spirit of every kind of fish and bird, animals and beasts, the spirit that even the anima, right, the animalistic spirit in the human being, included within this is even the upper supernal soul that's called neshama. Everything that moves, everything that flows, that's flowing into us, into this existence. Everything radically holistic. Nothing can be excluded. Everything that is, is. Everything that is came from the source. Nothing in this world, and by world I really mean all of the worlds, from the heavens to, to hell, comes from the source. Nothing is lost, nothing is left behind, nothing is left out everything that's why again yisod is also called kol with a kaf the all everything flows into it even the soul of the mashiach that's an incredible point he makes there um so i want to leave so that there we have this idea of Yesod as this nexus that receives all and bestows all. And I think that allness is a really powerful point. And that's something I want to encourage us to think about over the coming week. That Yesod is a, is a principle of gathering. Right? Everything flows into it. So Yesod is also happening as we start wrapping up this Sfirat Omer, right? With the, the last quadrant of the Sfirat Omer. And in it, we start now, I think, gleaning and gathering the different aspects of ourselves, reaching into every aspect, every little corner to try to bring it all to the center, to not leave any part of us ungathered, unattended to, left out. That every aspect of us comes from a holy source. And the question is, can we devote it? Can we allow it to manifest in a way that brings bracha, that brings blessing, that brings goodness? that can have a domino effect on the entire universe, can save the whole world, who knows. So this Mita, according to Jikatilia and everybody, is called Sadiq because it's Yasod. But again, I wanna push that I think even though here there is probably this elite notion of like the mystic virtuoso, I think really the idea, everyone has Yasod inside of them. Every soul has Yasod inside of them. Yasod is pulsing within all of us. It is the it is the flow point that we all have. And we all have this foundational principle. We all have this principle of foundation. And it bears all things which are below it, right, which flow through it, all of existence. Thus it is called Sadiq Yasodolam, the righteous foundation of the world. And why? Because the secret of the flow that is 
all the goodness that flows, the blessing that is donated into the, or given to the name Adoshem, being Adonai, right? Into Malchut, manifestation. As it says, V'tzadik chonein v'notein, beautiful. The tzadik is gracious and generous, has grace and gives. And here he pauses and says, and here, here we'll, we'll close together. I need to, I need to wait. I need to dwell on this a minute. I need to meditate on this. So hold up, he says, on this great and what I used a lot. I used a, I like that I translated. It. I must meditate on this manifold and magnificent matter. There are three names, and here we have the three nodes of existence. And this brings us into next week's class. There's Sadiq, Sedek, and Sedaka. The Mida, the Sphira of El Chai, is called Sadiq. The name Adonai, Malchut, is called Sedek. Because the Tzadik flows its blessing and manifests righteousness. And the Shefa, the flow itself, is the Tzedakah. And it's found that all three names come as one. Tzadik gives. Sadak receives, and Sadaka is the secret of the gift, the secret gift, the cleaving, the connection, the chibur, the union. So what we have in Yesod, especially, is a principle of connection, of the potential that exists between people, what can be accomplished, manifested, through relationship, through connection, through unification. Yesod is the flow of what flows out of us and what also we receive. It's this dynamic flow point, this dynamic connection, connective, zwischenkeit, um, as it say in German, betweenness, that which exists between. Um, I think the practical implications here in terms of tzedakah, right, charitable giving, are not accidental. Actually, it's very clear in the Kabbalah that when we give tzedakah in this world, it is the drawing down the flow of God giving tzedakah. We find somebody who needs help and we are generous and gracious. We give what we can. God, too, finds who needs help and gives what God, I mean, God can give all, but give, and, and opens up the, unstops the flow of blessing. But I think also not just literal tzedakah, here we really have the principle of what one can manifest to pay attention to, and I think in here bringing together all the different points, Sadiq and Kol and Chayim, that actually the way we're able to be as generous and as impactful I don't like that word, but the way that we can manifest our as much as we can is by manifesting our full selves. The wholeness, the wholeness, the totality of us, that every aspect of us needs to be gathered in. There's nothing in us that can't in some way become a source or channel of blessing. And Yesod is the promise of that kind of capacity, that kind of all-inclusive meeting point, that everything flows through it and everything that flows through it can be manifest and brought into this world. So the way that we can bring the most blessing 
into this universe is to find all the different ways and all the different aspects of ourselves to bring them all together to have them all gather together shimmering and flowing manifesting outside and into this world finding as many opportunities for that and as many aspects of us as we can that's the promise and that's the challenge um it's uh it's incredible it's an incredible challenge because I think it encourages us, it, it challenges us, I think, to fight back against this filter that we have set up inside. That there's some parts of us that are good, some are bad, some are worthy of paying attention, some aren't, some are generous, some are not, some are parsimonious, right? Some are worth attending to, some aren't. And I think Soda's saying everything's here for a reason. And the question really is how are we able to bring it into, into the world? How are we able to bring it into existence? So something to think about. Um, I'm going to. Last night with my parents. Um, so we're not, but please, um, actually, if 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 people actually want to stay and talk, you sewed. I can I can assign a different host, and people can stay and chat. But um, you can volunteer if you want. Uh, no pressure at all. I uh, am so excited that we are about to um, wrap this up next week. We're bringing it home with we're going to look at Malchut and Shechina. Uh, but before that, we'll have Parsha chat on Thursday. We'll look at the Parsha Bahar Bechukotai, my brother's Burma portion. Uh, and we'll have uh, Kabbalat Shabbat uh, Friday before Shabbos. And we'll have um, Havdalah Saturday after Shabbos. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for the times. Source sheet, source sheet, source sheet. Um, and also, uh, we'll have, uh, we'll return to the, return to our learning on Monday evening for the last class in the series. Thanks so much. And have a wonderful week of Yisod. I hope we all find the, all the different ways that we can bring blessing into the world. Shkayach. Thank you, Josh. It was beautiful.